Welcome to the Air Combat Simulation Podcast, brought to you by EVR Productions. Together with content creators, mission builders, experts, and enthusiasts, we explore the comprehensive world of combat aircraft simulation. Welcome to episode 33 of the Air Combat Sim podcast. And today we have a special guest with us, uh, so Nicholas Duckard from Hitler Simulations. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you here. I'm Baltic Dragon and we're with Paul Giode. Uh, I think he's the most uh, first person in the Tomcat I know. So I'm happy to have him here to, to, <laughs> to take on that part of the interview. <laughs> That's not saying much. <laughs> That is not saying much, considering the fact that we've got people like Ward Carroll now in DCS pretty much full-time. But yeah, it is great to be back. <laughs> so um, maybe let's start off with a very general question. So looking through, through the information about Hitler, it's advertised as a Polish company, right? In a way. Mm -hmm. That's correct. <laughs> Which makes you proud as a Pole. <laughs> great to hear. No, I... You know, we're, we're, we're de facto international, I would say, but we certainly have uh, a more uh, centered orbit around Poland in terms of, um, I think now the majority of our staff are Polish and, you know, I'm, my parents are Polish and, and uh, we're kind of registered in Poland. So it's, it's definitely uh, not a misnomer to say we're a Polish company at this point, I would say. But, uh, but yeah, a little bit of uh, a gray zone, I would say for sure. Yeah, so everything with DCS, I guess, so international. But how, <laughs> how many people Indeed. are there, uh, the, the whole team? Honestly, I get asked this every now and again, and I always come up short with uh, a, an accurate answer, but uh, we're somewhere towards uh, by about 10 full-time staff at this point, uh, maybe actually over since the past couple of weeks because we've just brought uh, some new people on board as well. Um, and then I would say in, in the broader sense in terms of... Um, you know, like associates and contractors and other people, we're, we're probably pushing 20, 25, maybe. So uh, we're growing steadily, especially last year, we grow, grew quite rapidly. Um, so uh, in both, both in terms of, you know, associates and also, but primarily, I would say full-time staff. So, uh, so uh, yeah, we're just, just about 10 people in terms of full-time staff at this point. Cool. And maybe tell us a little bit about yourself. So you said your parents are Polish, but you're Swedish, right? Yeah, I'm born and raised in Sweden for for 19 years, and then uh, then I moved to Poland for uh, for a couple of years. I worked a little bit in film, went to a film school uh, in Warsaw, and and gathered some experience there. But uh, ever since I was about, uh, I would say probably about 14 years old or 15 years old, I probably got involved with the flight simulation uh, industry. Uh, back in the day, it was FSX, and uh, kind of built up a skill set uh, from around there. Um, and, uh, it just kind of evolved. I kind of took that seg into film for, for quite a while and didn't do anything about with flight simulation or, or even, uh, to some extent 3D artwork and then kind of, uh, branched back into, uh, simulation, which obviously I've always loved. So, uh, it's been a bit of a interesting and quite dynamic journey from that perspective. And, uh, 
now I'm living in sunny Portugal and uh, who knows what the uh, future brings. So that's pretty much it, I would say. Is this why, I mean, you're well known as, as Hitler for very good um, that's so movies or trailers for, uh, for for your aircraft. That's also part of your mm -hmm. of your love for for the movie or cinematography. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. And always, when we think about kind of what can we do, how can we announce something, or or how can we do something a little bit special, or or anything like that, you know, that experience and that love and passion for movie making. Uh, is is integral to that whole process. And we're, you know, I think not only do we try to make really perhaps good trailers and, and, and stuff like that, but we also try to think outside the box a little bit. And we have some, you know, we have ideas on the table that I really want to execute that are, that are super outside of the box, you know, almost like crossover between film and what we're doing. So, um, so yeah, for sure, that, that really bleeds into what we do. But I would also say it bleeds into the products themselves because there's things like, you know, audio cues or immersion kind of things that we, you draw more from film and, and how you edit film and do visual effects and sound effects. So uh, it's, it's kind of like this multidisciplinary concoction that comes out of us, which I, which I think makes us at least a little bit unique for sure. So on that note, are you going to be doing any more uh, trailers in the near future for like some of the other stuff coming with, say, for example, the Tomcat? Uh, I know that we're still pretty much waiting for like the Iriaf version. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure that we actually had any trailers that really highlighted the Forestall or anything like that. So is that something that's on the table as well? We, we did have a Forestal trailer, so yeah, pretty much for everything major we do, we try to put something out there and, and, and uh, um, you know, so, sometimes we don't, but for anything major we do try and definitely for, you know, something like the early A we'll do something. We have two upcoming campaigns for the F-14 uh, uh, free ones that are part of the module itself, so for anything like more major we definitely uh, will be doing more stuff. And of course for anything new we'll be doing you know, the full, the full range <laughs> of what we tend to do. Nice, nice. Now, I know you probably saw the, the news that came out over the last couple of days there with Orbix announcing mm -hmm. that they're with DCS. Now, considering the fact that Heatblur's got the Vigan, that's naturally the first thing that came to my mind when I saw that map. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure everybody wants to know, are there going to be any more... Swedish aircraft or, you know, aircraft from around that area. Um, I know that you had planned, what, what was it, the AI version of the Draken? What about mm -hmm. like a full fidelity one or, you know, any of the other fighters in that area? Is that something that, you know, might take advantage of the fact that we're getting this new map? There, <clears throat> I would say there's certainly a long-term um, goal, I would say, <laughs> of getting a full fidelity Draken out there. Um, it is certainly a driving factor behind wanting to do the AI version of it. Uh, however, I would simply say that that's not us planning our flag or anything like that. We don't have, you know, a license agreement or anything like that for it right now. We've we've got our hands quite full, but I love the Draken. and I think it's such a beautiful and especially for us Swedes, quite an iconic aircraft. And I think we we could do it certainly do it justice. Um, and so it is a long term goal or dream of mine to do it so uh, fingers crossed that we get there and uh, hopefully sooner or later and if somebody else does it then then we are equally as happy uh, simply as draken enthusiasts uh, so uh, 
So yeah, hopefully. Speaking of other modules, I mean, there's a few aircraft that are always coming up uh, as a kind of dream for the players. And one of them is Panavia Tornado. Anything about that as a possibility? Yeah, we've, we've thought about it several times, actually. It's a very cool aircraft. We like it a lot. Uh, it doesn't really fit into our plans right now, but also perhaps in the future, it would be, be super cool. It's one of those aircraft that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's very complex, uh, you know, both in terms of systems and the flight modeling and anything swing wing is always harder to execute on the flight model side. That's just the reality of it. Um, and then the tornado is, is no slouch when it comes to systems complexity and figuring out how it actually works and all these kinds of things. So it's certainly the kind of project that isn't to be taken lightly, but, um, it's been on our minds, uh, quite frankly, but, uh, but again, no, no concrete plans or anything, but it would be super cool for sure. I welcome anything that's an addition to the Swing Wing Club. So if you do decide to do that, just know you've already got a customer right here. <laughs> got it, got it. Yeah. Don't listen to me. You'll get, you'll get a customer and whatever you produce probably with Bug Geo. So. Well, this is true too, yeah. But speaking of um, like additional planes and so on, um, there is a question here that was asked. Basically, they wanted to know what the status was on the venerable A6E and the KA6 uh, tanker as part of the F-14 wrap-up. Uh, where do we stand as far as that goes now? We're pretty much approaching art complete on the A6. Um, the, tr the tricky thing for us has been that the A6 changed from a project where you know, we weren't quite sure whether we would do a full fidelity version of it uh, at the time, but now that has indeed um, been woven into the plan, so to speak. So, and the A6 is actually relegated to, I would not say the end of our roadmap, but it's towards the end. And the reason for that is that the A6 um, is an aircraft that has some very unique features and technologies that we need to develop, develop beforehand. So that caused us to not quite step on the brake, but we weren't as quick as uh, we were planning to be with finishing the artwork, essentially. So that's why it's been a little bit longer to get that wrapped up and finished. Uh, but we are approaching art complete at this point, so uh, my hope is that sometime this year uh, we will we will put it out there and it'll be available as an AI module in, in DCS. And if not, then, then early next year, something like that. Uh, obviously, this year has been a little bit uh, chaotic and rocky with, with several factors influencing. So that was our goal actually last year. Um, but uh, but hopefully sooner rather than later we will we will get it in place and get everybody enjoying it and you know building content with it already it's an integral part of any kind of 80s 90s uh, carrier deck so uh, we want to get it out there as soon as possible even if only for our own benefit as well with with our upcoming content and campaigns and just to confirm we're we're looking at just the A6E model and the KA6 or are we talking about like a prowler in addition to that, since that was also on a carrier around that time? Unfortunately, we haven't uh, even thought or, or even worked on, on doing the Prowler. So we're just doing the E and the K uh, for now. So, uh, But obviously, since, you know, if you have a finished, you know, piece of complex artwork, uh, it's a much smaller step to go to something like an EA. So... Um, so perhaps that is in the future, and especially if people, you know, the community at, at large would like it, then... Um, then absolutely. Yeah, it seems to be a dedicated crowd there that's asking for EW-type aircraft, so I really wouldn't yeah. be too surprised if we hear more from them. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. I'm, I'm in the forerun of that crowd because I need it for the Raven 1. <laughs> Please do it. 
<laughs> gotcha. Yeah, but speaking about the, the, the carrier, there's also a question about the super carrier version of Forestall. Uh, it's a tricky question to answer. Initially, no. Initially, we just wanted to do, you know, like the, the Stennis featured version of the uh, Forestal. Um, but, you know, at the time there was no super carrier and now there is. And super carrier is awesome. It's super immersive and, and we use it a lot. We enjoy it. So uh, there is uh, a very strong will to get a super carrier variant of the Forestal done. Um, we ha we've had some discussions with our partners, and uh, and uh, hopefully we will we will be able to move in that direction. Uh, that's basically all I can share because we there is both a technology component I would call it and a kind of um, you know how do we do it component to it, uh, and those aren't perfectly clear just yet. So, uh, but certainly I would simply say that there is. Um, a strong will to to uh, to do a supercare version of the Forestal. Yeah, actually, it might be uh, smart to wait a little bit because we're going to get the, the taxi directors, we're going to get the uh, ready room, etc. So maybe it would be easier to port it to Forestal when it's all done on the ED side, I guess. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and th that's what I mentioned by the technology kind of component of figuring out how, how a supercarrier forestal would look and work. And, and uh, it's a bit tricky to do it uh, at a time where the supercarrier itself is not feature complete just yet. So, uh, so, uh, so yeah, but it's, it's on our minds very frequently, uh, certainly. So, um, so hopefully we get there for sure. I'm trying to think what other uh, famous Cold War jets, I guess either Gen 3 or Gen 4, that we're missing? We know that uh, quite a few of them are being done. Are there any in particular that Heatler has been thinking about other than, of course, the obvious one that we're going to be talking about in a bit? Um, <laughs> I guess, yes. <laughs> uh, the thing is, we're always thinking about what to do next because, you know, you, you, DCS modules are a multi-year effort, um, and you're always kind of, if you're not thinking about what you're doing four years from now, then, then you're not quite doing your job um, in general. So uh, certainly we're thinking about <laughs> what is missing, uh, what would make for uh, a compelling kind of full experience, right, with, with the kind of aircraft that you would expect to be in a, in a, in a theater at a given time. So, uh, so certainly, but, but then there's a long road between thinking about it and, and kind of, you know, daydreaming about it and it, uh, you know, pen to paper, so to speak. So, right. um, yeah. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. And there's even a question on here. Uh, is there a chance or willingness to do a full fidelity Su 27 S down the road? <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I have a lot of experience developing a red aircraft in the MiG-21 with, with, uh, with, uh, Leatherneck at the time. Um, I, I, I like the Sukhoi 27, so <laughs> again, it's the kind of thing that, you know, who knows? It's no concrete anything, uh, certainly not from us at this time, but, uh, but you know, if, if in a vacuum somebody, you know, goes, do you want to? Then the answer is usually yes, so, <laughs> so who knows again? But then let's turn the question around a little bit and just imagine you'd get all the possible documentation, SMEs, access, assistance, whatever, no restrictions. Mm -hmm. Uh, for any aircraft, which one would be the, your, your dream aircraft to develop and bring to DCS right now? Um, 
That's a really great question and it's exceptionally hard to answer. <laughs> um, I, I might be boring and say something like F14D something like that because oh. uh, <laughs> it would build on our love for the tomcat and it would be a very nice logical step forward in uh in representing it in a sim form uh so that that would probably be my answer uh nothing too exotic honestly uh but uh but i think it would just be uh be really nice it would offer a different take on the aircraft uh i would say and uh yeah that would probably be my answer that's really the only answer you need. That's acceptable. I'm going to take that one. <laughs> Good to hear. You have a new customer. <laughs> <laughs> no, but then to finish off maybe on the general side of things, looking at DCS module development, oh my, no, there are two questions. So that would be the first one. What would be the most challenging area uh, that you look at? So like mobile graphics, systems integration, clickable cockpit. I don't know. What's the most difficult part of it all? Uh, I would say that's a very hard question. I would say there's, it's not one thing in isolation, actually. I would say it's putting it all together into a cohesive, polished, immersive, and enjoyable experience. Um, it's a bit of a non-answer, I suppose, but that really is, for me, the thing that worries me most. Because I think a lot of developers, I think a lot of programmers and so on and engineers can create a very accurately recreated system. Um, especially in isolation. But it's, it, the most difficult thing is, I think at least, putting it into a, a kind of like a whole package, a thing that just feels good from start to finish, feels polished, feels enjoyable, um, and just gives you, it just transports you into that cockpit. It just puts you there. Uh, and the funny thing is that it's nothing, it's not a lot of like major things that make that happen. It's the small things, it's the small details, the, the you know, the shakes or the vibrations or, or the sound cues or, or, uh, you know, a multitude of things that just combine. And that combination is nothing you can quantify, I think. It's kind of like, why is a good song good <laughs> kind of thing. <clears throat> um, and I think that's the hardest part, like that full experience and getting, when you jump in the cockpit, it just, it, you just feel it kind of, um, it's a bit of a, perhaps very artsy answer, but, but it's, uh, it's the most, uh, most, uh, honest one I think I can uh, give you. I think you, uh, when you look at the, at the Tomcat, at least, you, uh, that's absolutely what you managed to achieve. There's some, there's a multitude of small things that you only notice as, after some time or that they, they go together and they create this unique experience i have to agree as for the good song bell bell i think you'll agree so it has to be heavy metal right oh yeah it's, <laughs> it's always metal it always oh, has yeah. to be metal agreed <laughs> Uh, and I mean, maybe the last one from the general part, because we we got lots of questions from the community and there's been a lot of feedback. And how we want to structure this is to ask you questions about different modules. So go then to probably start with Vigan, then go through Eurofighter, uh, F14, and then finish off on F4. But before we do, there's one more question I want to ask is whether you would ever consider dipping your toes into creating maps, and especially the Southeast Asia map, which is probably... Nicely linked with the <laughs> it, it is, it is. It, it's, it's a tough question. The answer is unequivocally yes. Uh, the, the, the true answer is that it's been part of our plans at times and then it's sometimes faded away a little bit for various reasons. 
um, but primarily where we've been as a as a company at the time, and you know we've 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 done some uh, some stuff in the in the pro industry and these kinds of things. So um, certainly uh, the answer to that is an unequivocal yes. Uh, but uh, again, nothing concrete to share. Honestly, uh, it's certainly up our wheelhouse. We've have a lot of experience uh, building. You know. Uh, just virt virtual worlds, I guess you can call it, um, and environments actually. So, so it's set, certainly up our wheelhouse, but but uh, our schedule is very packed right now, and uh, it's uh, it's primarily aircraft focused actually. So, uh, so nothing concrete to share, but but yes, at some point uh, we'll we'll probably go down that route for sure. Yeah. So let's 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 move to vegan maybe now. As there's only a few questions about it, and they're quite similar all of them. So one question is about the vegan skins and some issues it currently has, according to people asking a question, like with the few regimes of the flight model where it tends to overperform quite significantly and some possible problems with damage model. I don't know, I've, I, I've not flown the vegan that much, so I'm not very versed. Yeah, but sure, no worries. What's your take on that? Well, uh, it's certainly a possibility. Uh, we actually just, I don't think it was this previous patch, but it was a patch before we actually did a significant overhaul of the, uh, of the engine, actually. So uh, we did uh, do it primarily because uh, the numbers weren't quite correct for the engine, but it was actually um, uh, underperforming a couple of regimes, which is, which is, which is funny, uh, I suppose. Uh, but, you know, if there's some kind of performance metric that is off, then uh, certainly it's something that needs to be fixed. So that's, that's uh, uh, you know, out of the question to leave it, um, leave it hanging. Uh, we've seen a few damage model issues that you just mentioned, uh, you know, especially multiplayer, and we don't know why they happen quite at this point. We've tried fixing them several times, but uh, it's one of those where things happen and you can't quite nail it down. So uh, we'll have to keep working on that. And we have quite a heavy push on uh, new vegan things coming in the next couple of patches uh, to bring it out of EA. And so, uh, so we'll be doing a significant amount of that work uh, over the next, uh, next uh, weeks and months, actually. So the vegan will see uh, substantial updates in the, in the near period here. Does that also include the um, more skins for it? It does. Uh, we are doing a full overhaul of, uh, you know, when we did the Vigan, DCS was still using an old lighting model, uh, you know, kind of like uh, um, uh, Blin Fong uh, or so, specular based, and now it uses PBR, obviously. So we're doing a full overhaul of the Vigan's uh, textures to, to take advantage of that BRDF model. So uh, as part of that process, we're also doing more uh, more liveries and uh, updating the paint kit, so it'll be far simpler to use this time around, um, and uh, fixing some errors in the artwork while we're at it. So uh, that's all woven into one big process. So so the Vigans should see a substantial visual upgrade externally uh, once we finish it. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, with the new column up, I'm sure Vigan will get a lot of extra love. Yeah, well, it belongs there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're excited, definitely. And the last question we have here, and that one is, I'll just read it out because it says, I wonder how the vegan pre-order draw award of getting one's name on an F-14 skin is going. <laughs> uh, 
Um, we are gonna put it uh, to bed before the Tomcat um, exits EA. Essentially, we're we're actually not finished with the Tomcat's liveries either at this point. Even though there's a, quite a fair few in there, but we'll be doing uh, some forms of dynamic modices, uh, modex numbers uh, for the for the F14. And once we have that complete, we'll be adding more liveries for the F14 as well. So uh, we'll be doing it as part of that process. Right. So before we move to F14, let's quickly stop. Uh, at the Eurofighter, because we also have a few questions mm -hmm. about it, uh, and then the F-14 will be a bigger chunk probably. Uh, and I think that's a good question. Is how, what's the division of responsibilities between Hitler and TrueGrid for the Eurofighter, and who's doing what, and how did it come to, to being the whole cooperation? So it came into being uh, just you know through through getting in touch and discussing and and uh, and uh, getting to know each other essentially and. Uh, and that's really how it evolved, uh, or rather, it evolved from there. Um, and as to who's who's doing what, I mean, we so Heepler is essentially fully responsible for for implementing the Eurofighter and creating it uh, in DCS from the perspective of engineering and programming uh, and integrating uh, and creating artwork. Um, and TrueGrid is uh, responsible for for enabling, I would say, the entire project in in the sense of you know providing expertise. Um, interfacing with with partners and figuring out feasibility uh, and uh, providing information and uh, understanding of the aircraft and how it works uh, and so it's it's quite a natural partnership and cooperation and uh, and uh, that's essentially uh, I would say the, the the areas of responsibility are quite clear because of that um, and uh, trigger it's also responsible for for some of the uh, modeling and the artwork so um, a unique opportunity for us to to actually cooperate on those things. It's uh, it's been a, a unique process. So uh, yeah, that's essentially it. And what, what variant are we going to get? Which trench? I don't know which one is used for Eurofighter. So it's going to be a mix of one, two, and three. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, uh, we actually we get this question a fair bit, and the funny thing is, there's actually no answer to it because. What we're doing on the Eurofighter is is quite rare for us, where we, you know, for the Phantom, for the F-14, uh, but especially for the Phantom and, and some of the aircraft that are very well documented, we kind of go, okay, we're doing exactly these blocks with these upgrades. Uh, for the Eurofighter, we're taking a slightly different approach because of the way the aircraft is in reality and also the reality of recreating it in a, in a simulator, um, a modern aircraft, is that we're saying, okay, so... You know, you can't really pick an exact um, version of the aircraft, uh, even if you wanted to. Even on the flight line, they aren't quite uh, the same. Um, and even more so, we want to strike a balance between providing uh, as much gameplay options as we can uh, with what we're able to do realistically. Um, and I don't mean realistically in terms of managing to execute it in terms of time. I mean in the sense of... Do we have enough data to do it? Do we have enough understanding of that system to actually implement it correctly? Uh, and it's a bit of a balance. And so, you know, we're doing a bit of, you know, we jokingly refer it to a Frankenstein Eurofighter. It's not quite as bad as that sounds, but certainly um, it's a bit of a mix of systems and components that any Eurofighter on the world could, in theory, have. Um, and it's, it's very realistic from, from that perspective. Uh, but whether you can find an exact aircraft on the flight line that will um, kind of reflect what we're doing, um, 
you know, I, we, we don't know actually. <laughs> um, so it's a bit of an amalgamation of, of upgrades and a snapshot in time perhaps of, of what would be realistic. So uh, there is no true answer as to what exact uh, version block uh, upgrade or, uh, or, or kind of, uh, yeah, version that we're doing essentially. Well, I, th I think it makes sense. I mean, probably it's, I can imagine that you get SMEs and you get some documentation and someone will say, come and say, well, I've flown it, but we have a newer version of this and that. So you can actually model it. I'll tell you how it's done. So, yeah, and then it comes together. But that makes sense, and especially that most of the people doesn't have a clue how it should look, uh, like in theory. So it, <laughs> yeah, true. So. That's true. But we, <clears throat> to be fair, we never lean, to be fair, we never try to lean on that because we've, we've almost caught ourselves saying that sometimes like, you know, oh, nobody will ever know anyways. But on the other hand, um, we kind of then undermine our own kind of whole ethos or, or what we're trying to do. So um, yeah, it's true. And sometimes that is a protective effect to some, some degree. So that's, that's great. <laughs> um, but perhaps the way to put it is it would bug us more than other people. And whatever bugs us is a complete no-go essentially. So, so we, we, we definitely shy away from that. No, but um, I think we'll strike a good middle ground. I don't think we'll undermine you know, what DCS is all about, and I don't, you know, it's not about, you know, like, oh, we can make the Eurofighter and it'll be an economic success at the expense of consistency across the platform and enjoy, you know, the enjoyment, you know, the community and, and, and customers get from spawning in and knowing that what they're doing is realistic. So uh, hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll certainly tread that, um, tread that line very well. You'll have to forgive me for not knowing, I guess, too much about the Eurofighter. Is that primarily going to be uh, air to air or air to ground as well? And if air to ground, uh, what are we looking at for munitions like LGBs or GPS guided munitions and so on? Uh, both. Uh, the early access initial release will be air to air only. And again, that's a little bit unique for us. It'll be a far more bare bones release than we've quite frankly ever done before. Um, uh, and then we'll go into the air-to-ground implementation and uh, kind of add that through early access. Um, for air-to-ground, you're looking at a quite a, I would say, wide variety of weaponry, uh, but certainly um, skewed towards precision, precision uh, guided weaponry uh, overall. Um, so, so uh, you know, including targeting pods and, and all kinds of fun stuff. So uh, it'll certainly feel like a very modern air-to-ground experience for sure. Nice. Going back kind of to what we were discussing before about uh, music, uh, someone's asking, will the Eurofighter have a music album like the Tomcats Defender of the Fleet? Yes, and so will the uh, F4 Phantom. <laughs> that is music to yours. <laughs> Yeah, no, we're uh, we're 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 super happy. We're working with uh, with the great uh, you know Jorge at Meteor again to to uh, compose some uh, some very fitting uh, music for for our aircraft and and uh, you know perhaps it won't be a full length uh, kind of uh, uh, album like we did for the F-14. Uh, it's looking like it, but. We are again at the whims frequently of you know creative and artistic kind of uh, inspiration. So 
there are no guarantees and you don't want to put more more songs on just because so uh, but yes yeah, certainly uh, you know and, and you know some songs are done already so um, so uh, so yeah it's looking good and, and we're super excited about it it's it's one of those again kind of crossover things like I mentioned before where where you know it's it's just because we're doing flight sims doesn't mean it can't be kind of a you know artistic endeavor pulling in different disciplines and creating a full package yeah that definitely adds to the experience so i really appreciate it anyway <laughs> <laughs> cool glad to hear all right i think that moves us to the tomcat questions and uh Talking more about the F-14, and yeah, I think the main fuels should go to you, uh, Bill, on this one. Well, all <laughs> right. Um, actually, the first question that's on the list for the F-14 is something that I've always wanted to know as well. Um, they asked, they'd like to know how uh, you did the sound for the F-14. Is it from archives, or did they get an actual F-14 to record it from? I think they're probably talking more about, like, the engine noises, because, yeah. I mean, obviously the clicks and switches and whatever you can do that with a museum bird right um yes uh the exterior are uh, a bit of a mix some of them are synthesized but most of them are actually archival sounds uh from i'm not sure who did it but somebody recorded a tomcat with very high quality mics back in the day um and they recorded everything actually from from landing gear extension sounds to uh to canopy opening and closing sounds to uh all kinds of fun stuff so so we had a library surprisingly because the f14 had been you know has been out of service for quite a while we had a library that we can use we could use um and uh and uh the engine sounds were included so obviously you know for a flight sim you need to do some work to to get it all in place so so we've we've always been working on them and and uh, we've synthesized a couple of things to to fill out the gaps but uh they are pretty much authentic and funnily enough we've we've done a couple of sound overhauls where you know people have been unhappy and it you know it doesn't sound like the tomcat and then we've actually we've <laughs> removed some of the more archival authentic stuff that we had in there and and used slightly more synthesized sounds uh and uh and the community writ large has been uh happier about it so so sometimes sometimes the impression and again it's the same in film and sound effects in general sometimes the impression you get from a sound is different from how the raw you know uh isolated one is so uh that's certainly a, a learning experience to some extent as well the interior sounds are actually a mix because some of the sounds like the throttle clickety clack sounds when you move them back and forth and and when you open the cover for the wing sweep these kinds of things they are fully authentic so those are recorded uh in a museum aircraft uh but then some of the more generic ones actually like the flip switches and stuff some of them are 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 uh just uh generic sounds that we've either foleyed ourselves or or we've uh we've uh, purchased or created in some other way so uh, it's certainly a mix, but the most important ones I would say in the in the cockpit are um, are authentic, actually. So, uh, and that's, that's again a process we've now repeated with the with the Phantom, and we'll be repeating it as much as we can with with uh, future aircraft. So, uh, sounds is are, are very very important for us in that respect. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. I was just thinking about that throttle click in particular, especially when I'm in the B model on uh, one of the catapults. And listening for that click 
just so I don't go into afterburner. It's crucial yeah. for me. So thank you. I'm really glad that you pay a lot of attention to the sound. Um, in addition to that question that they had asked, they wanted us to tell you that the F-14 is the best sim experience I've ever had. Oh, <laughs> thank you very much. And that's, that's not me saying it, even though I do agree with their sentiment. <laughs> All right, it. but moving on, though. Um, what would you say would be the time frame for some of the other F-14 items? For example, uh, we had heard talk about the Iranian version um, and, of course, the tarp spot. I think that's probably the thing that I get asked the most. When are we getting a tarp spot? Uh, it's, uh, so essentially, the, uh, the Iranian version of the F-14 gets unlocked once we've completed the early A uh, of the F-14A. Um, and essentially what we're working on right now for that is the uh, kind of tone generator for the ALR-45. We've been working on it for a while, but it's quite a tricky thing to put together. Um, and uh, we're kind of doing it two tracks. So we're doing it both, obviously, for the, for the Phantom and the F-14, uh, because they share that characteristic in their RWR. So uh, we're working on that right now. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully towards late summer or, or somewhere in early fall, we'll have the early A done, and that will then unlock the Iranian version, which um, we're not quite sure what... Uh, what feature set it'll have in terms of reflecting the real Iranian F-14, uh, because obviously the, the the chin pod is not the same, and and uh, there's a few other bits and pieces like fuel pylons and those kinds of things. But um, but we will we will do it in some some way or fashion. So uh, it'll essentially unlock that. So so as soon as we we push out that F-14 early F-14A, which is part of the early access kind of release criteria. Uh, then we can move on to the Iranian uh, Iranian Tomcat and represent that. Um, in terms of other features, I mean, right now we're working on finishing up the in-cockpit pilot, which is um, a little bit more of an involved process for us this time around because we're trying to do some novel features uh, for that, essentially. Uh, and we're working on, we're actually modeling the tarps uh, right now um, in the past uh, couple of days. So uh, I think we will uh, have that out quite soon. Again, the tarp spot for us is something that is more of simply a visual feature in terms of you can hang it, you know, maybe there's some, some small gameplay element to it, but um, essentially it's a bit tricky to do anything more involved with the tarp spot in DCS. Um, beyond that, we're working on, uh, I would say, a, a fair few features that are simply perhaps making something existing better. Uh, we're going to be working on some new uh, afterburner effects pretty soon, uh, updating the UI artwork. Uh, there's, a, there's a few things that, that need to be uh, finished or improved and, uh, before we consider ourselves to be more satisfied with the state of, state of the aircraft. Um, and we'll also be doing quite large overhauls and improvements to, to some systems. Uh, specifically, uh, we'll be doing um, pretty, pretty substantial improvements to, to for example, hydraulics uh, and these kinds of things. And, uh, and there's some more things beyond that that are unannounced at this, at this point that we'll be doing to the Tomcat. So, um, so, uh, so yeah, we're, we're spending a lot of time on it and uh, hopefully we'll get the remaining features squared away as quickly as possible so that we can move on to uh, you know, just improving them or polishing the product uh, before we exit EA. That sounds like a plan to me. Um, there are a couple of questions that are just kind of bundled together here. One is, is there a chance to change the lights on the Tomcat? It says the beacon lights are were slow pulsing. And I guess they're not slow pulsing. 
right now. I've, honestly, I've never paid much attention. I'm in VR. I'm inside the birds. So <laughs> I have no idea what they were yeah. talking about with that, but that is a question uh, that was asked. Yeah, possibly. If there's, a, if there's an inaccuracy there, then we should uh, certainly fix that. Um, and uh, there are obviously some limitations to what we can do in, in the DCS engine. Actually, not the DCS engine specifically, just any graphical engine uh, in gaming in general, because there are some lighting effects that are simply difficult to recreate, uh, both on a monitor and VR, uh, due to how they work. So uh, some of them are sometimes a little bit simplified, but any, any inaccuracies that are there um, should be changed, fixed, and improved. So, uh, so absolutely. There's, uh, I know that you know some of our squadron guys, as testers and SMEs, they kind of say. Uh, they're a bit too dim, like the lights are a bit too dim still and these kinds of things. So we'll certainly be improving those things just to make the experience uh, better overall. And that's very important. I can honestly say that's probably the one thing that I forget the most is turning on the lights because usually I'm operating from the <laughs> carrier. And I don't even think you're really supposed to have your lights on around the carrier unless, of course, you're taking off at night, I think. I don't know. Anyway, um, <laughs> the other question that comes with that... Uh, well, actually, I think it's more of a suggestion. Somebody's asking if you can make the refueling probe door an on or off clickable option. Uh, we are, so we've just implemented it as part of the livery system, but what we'll be doing is we'll be, we just had a discussion today about it. I think uh, we ended up determining that we'll probably do it through the radio menu. So you'll just have a radio option where you can remove the uh, refueling probe door on the ground, uh, and that's probably what we'll do for now. So, uh, so that will be removable in an, in an easier way that isn't tied to your livery or to the mission editor. That does make sense. Yeah, I think that would be something that would probably fall under the ground crew while they're, you know, hooking everything up or whatever. So that sounds yep. like a good idea. Um, let's see. There is another question related to, oh, AIM-54. Uh, are there any changes in general that, you know, that are coming for the AIM-54? Or is that more of an ED thing? No, I, we've been doing AIM-54 changes pretty much every patch over the past few months. Uh, and uh, that effort has really been focused on improving the guidance of the missile, which has been lacking uh, lacking in the past. And especially once we adjusted some of the arrow parameters to uh, more accurately reflect the real missile, um, then, uh, you know, this poor guidance was causing significant issues in, in just recreating real-life performance of, of, of the AIM-54. Uh, so we've been really been shipping changes on that for, for the past several months, and we have uh, quite a few changes still lined up on it, actually. We've, uh, we, we have some, uh, some um, you know, we're, we're, we're going to try and make, um, recreate more of the specifics of the AIM-54C versus the A's. Uh, we are going to try and model some of the, you know, uh, how should I call them, characteristics or limitations of the A versus the C. Um, so there are a few things that, that we'll be adding over the next couple of patches, and there will be a few changes. But um, overall, I wouldn't say that the missile will, will perform or not, you know, underperform in, in... There won't be any huge, huge changes really to how it feels to utilize the missile. Uh, at least, uh, at least not any expected ones at this moment. So uh, there will be some intricacies and characteristics and just a slightly more accurate depiction, but uh, it's starting to slot into where it needs to be in terms of just general effectiveness. Uh, so, uh, so, um, 
yeah, the eagle-eyed will see plenty of changes, uh, both good and bad. And uh, but overall, it'll feel uh, it'll feel pretty similar to what it does uh, like today. Cool. If I'm asked now, I mean, from my point of view, the, you mentioned the campaigns, two free campaigns coming for the Tomcat, and I think it your bird has now the biggest number of interesting campaigns out there. And big shout out to Reflected, who is going to release a new one, the Speed and Angels. Who's, He's doing with Paco. Indeed, looking great. It's gonna be an amazing, even with the uh, the real characters from his movie doing the voiceovers for it. Uh, but um, just yeah. wanted to ask you if you could tell us a bit more about those two free campaigns coming up uh, for the F14. Uh, sure. Oh gosh, now I wish uh, wish Alex uh, Iron Mike was here with us, um, so I don't I don't butcher <laughs> his work. Um, I, I believe, if I remember correct, so one campaign is a continuation of the current, the one that's currently released for the F-14B, uh, as that, you know, uh, small spoiler alert, ends on a little bit of a cliffhanger. <laughs> um, so that's a full continuation of that uh, campaign, essentially. Um, and then the second campaign is for the A, uh, and that campaign is set, uh, if I remember correctly now, in the Persian Gulf on the Forestal class. So. Uh, it's a little bit of a different experience, and that campaign is centered very much around what was happening uh, around that time uh, in that theater. Um, and so it takes that, and then it you know embellishes perhaps a little bit, or or adds some dramatic elements like we we like to have in our missions and campaigns, um, and uh, and kind of makes it an enjoyable experience. So so both of those campaigns are under active development. Um, simultaneously right now and hopefully we'll have uh, the first one of them released uh, quite soon so uh, it's going to be fun and exciting and uh, and um, just I guess just another part in us trying to make sure you know that the value for money and the and the and the modules just feel like a content rich enjoyable experience from from start to finish yeah looking forward to that it's going to be I mean I'm still trying to get into the F14 also because of our campaign with with Mooch that's coming up mm -hmm. maybe probably next year but uh yeah I'm looking forward to it yeah it's gonna it's gonna be fun i mean yeah it's definitely fun uh just a lot to learn and very little time as always <laughs> <laughs> that's how it is <laughs> that's a fact of life right there <laughs> um what about our favorite rio mm -hmm. what kind of updates are we looking at for our absolute favorite rio and of course his counterpart our absolute favorite ai pilot <laughs> Um, difficult question to answer, not because there isn't stuff coming or, or we're not going to be working very much, uh, in that kind of, uh, uh, on those features. Uh, but it depends on a little bit because, you know, we're working on the Phantom right now. So it depends a little bit on what happens there. And, um, we have some pretty grand plans in those, uh, uh in that respect. So, uh, it's a little, it's very difficult to speak about specifics, but, we, you know, we, we think Jester's quite intelligent right now, but we want to make him wise, essentially. Um, and that is a process that's not easy to do. Um, and so we are changing our approach a little bit, I would say, um, and experimenting more right now. Um, and so we'll see how that experimentation goes and, and how, uh, you know, let's call it, you know, the next evolution of gesture as it is in the phantom will turn out and and what lessons we learn there and how we will apply them across you know our products essentially 
and we see Gesture and Iceman actually as long-term investments and projects, uh, especially if you look at you know the the, the A6 uh, further down the line and and you know any two-seat aircraft where you do need. Uh, competent AI uh, to fly with you. So it's it's I think it's a cornerstone of our company in general, and it will be in the future. And so uh, so we have quite grand plans there, and we're spending a lot of time uh, working on on uh, AI technology at Heepler. So uh, so um, and uh, you know a bunch of that will feed back into the Tomcat. So uh, yeah, apologies for not offering any specifics, but uh, we you know and. We will certainly disagree at times about some of the complaints people have about Jester, but on the other hand, we are cognizant of, of uh, many of his flaws, and we are um, we're very motivated for all you know all comments to the type of like ah, I don't like flying with Jester because this or that to disappear entirely. That that would mean that our job is done. We've 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 done it. Uh, we've made a perfect backseater AI, uh, and so until those comments are, are basically fully or almost gone, then then we won't quite rest. So, uh, so we'll be working on it for sure. I've never quite understood that, to be honest with you, because I actually do enjoy Jester. The only thing that I wish is I wish we had a female alternative to Jester as well. So you know, we have female <laughs> sure. Rio sure, or yeah. a female pilot pilot in the front. But that's just me. We, we, we've got so many ideas about what we could, you know, those kinds of things as well, like, you know, make gesture more varied or, or, or you know, can't we have a different, you know, gesture voice or something? And, and you know, that, unfortunately, that's rooted in our design choice and artistic choice and, and kind of, I guess, kind of acting choice of, of, of uh, using a specific actor. And the way we record gesture lines is, you know, live, we go flying and then we record voice lines and then we put them in so they sound as authentic and, and, and uh, kind of immersive as we possibly can get them. And, and, you know, maybe if we went down the road of using a voice synthesizer or something like that, we would, uh, we would, uh, we would you know, I think by this point we would have several variations of voices or uh, or Rio is available, but unfortunately, uh, the gigantic voice library that we've assembled and will continue adding to uh, precludes some of that flexibility there. So, um, so it's unfortunate, but it's uh, it's um, it's a design choice we're quite comfortable with. I don't think we made a bad one, but unfortunately, it means that we can't uh, we can't. Uh, it, it would be great to do it, but we we simply can't. It'll be really hard, unfortunately. No, don't, don't go to synthetic voice way it's yeah absolutely that's <laughs> not a good choice mm -mm. But, yeah mm -mm. No. And, and finishing off on, on that uh, this i've been asking myself a question whether the iceman will be one day post i mean able to fly the whole mission from start to end so the player could just focus on the rio set for the whole duration of the mission that is generally our goal, yes. So, so Iceman is something that really was a bit of a bonus in the F-14. We, at first, we didn't plan to have anything at all. And then what kind of happened was that we took the autopilot system and we wrangled it into being kind of, um, you know, uh, a pilot, right? So really what, what's happening, and it's still happening in the F-14, is really that Iceman is kind of an extension of the Rio's hands into the autopilot controls, but in a, in a bit of a convoluted way, uh, essentially. Uh, but our long-term goal is, um, and this is not quite a promise, but it's something that I want us to do, is to create a general pilot AI, essentially, that we will use across our multi-crew aircraft, where 
you know, it'll be much more like a, you know, dedicated pilot AI that can do uh, all, all kinds of things and can land and take off and, and, and just, you know, as you say, run a mission, uh, you know, start to finish essentially. Uh, and again, it's not a, not a promise, but I think it would simply be a natural feature for our aircraft. Uh, you know, you could be the BN and the A6E and, and do your thing across the whole mission or, or, uh, or be the Wizzo in the, in the, in the Phantom and, uh, and not touch the pilot seat. That would be the, the ultimate goal. So, uh, hopefully we get there. Um, and, uh, it's a big, big feature and a big task to do, but, uh, it's, I think it would fit so naturally. All right, so the last question that we have, uh, at least regarding the Tomcat, isn't necessarily about the features and modules. It's actually a question that reads, what is the estimated man hours put on the development of the F-14 thus far? <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, how many hours in a year? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't remember. I didn't come here to math. I have no idea. <laughs> Uh, 24, I don't even know. Yeah, 9,000 hours. Uh, what will it be? I don't know. Uh, let me, I'll, I'll bring up my calculator, actually. Let's see. I don't know. You it's it's, 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 it's over 100. It's, it's certainly over 100,000, I would say. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's several, several man years for sure combined. Um, you know, I think we had, you know, I, I think about three, including myself, four full-time art staff building the artwork for the aircraft for over a year. Um, you know, several full-time engineers working on the aircraft for several years. So you're looking at um, many, many thousands of man-hours uh, combined. It's, it's uh, quite the investment, certainly. Well, it definitely shows. So I've got to give you props on that <laughs> one. Thank you. All right, so let's switch gears to the new kid on the block. Sure thing. Uh, figuratively speaking. Um, first question we have regarding the F-4 Phantom. Aside from the obvious, when is it coming? Because you can just say two more weeks and that'll suffice for that. <laughs> uh, we'd actually love to hear some overall insight on the F-4 development. Like, what can we expect as far as the capability of it or, you know, the product, uh, what versions, whatever, when it ultimately launches? Yeah, so we are doing two versions of the Phantom, one uh, with a DMAS upgrade uh, and one without, essentially. And so for EA, what we're doing is on initial release is we'll release it without, you know, we'll release the version without DMAS. Um, and uh, so that's what will be available on release. Uh, we are simply trying to mirror, really, I would say the F-14 launch, which I think was quite complete uh, in terms of how the product feels to to fly and use and enjoy on release day. Uh, that said, it's uh, perhaps it's a bit of a smaller and simpler aircraft in some respects. So in, just in some respects, though, I would note. Um, so, you know, perhaps we'll, we'll even get to a higher state of completion. Uh, there are, again, some complexities involved in, you know, some would think that, okay, we've built the, built the Tomcat, so building the Phantom is, uh, you know, copy over gesture, copy over this, and, and boom, those things will be one-to-one -one identical. But as I mentioned before, we're doing, uh, you know, we're not quite doing that with some of the features like gesture. Uh, you know, we're, we're really doing a gesture V2, which is, which is uh, you know, completely separate from what we've done in the F-14 for now, except you know, some of the components like the voice lines and so on. So uh, there are some things which might even be worse off uh, than the Tomcat. And ironically, the things that are already present in the Tomcat that 
people would think we were we would be able to copy over. Um, it's a bit unclear still, uh, quite frankly, uh, but our goal is always to make it as a complete experience as we possibly can on day one. Uh, we're not big fans of leaving big chunks out or or presenting an unpolished experience. I think you only get one first impression, and if that first impression is poor, then you've you've repeated yourself for the entire lifetime of the product. Quite frankly, so um, so we're uh, we're uh, we're working hard to get it where where it needs to be. Yeah, that certainly makes a lot of sense. Um, so just to kind of clarify a little there, when it comes to the actual F four early access. Um, are we looking at getting both variants at that time or are we getting one and then how long after are we going to expect the second? Kind of like the way the Tomcat rolled out. Uh, I think uh, it won't actually be like the Tomcat at all, actually. So so we will be keeping the pace of development that we're keeping right now in terms of, um, you know, almost a full team being dedicated to, uh, to the Phantom, uh, essentially. Um, uh, and so we'll be working very, very hard to get the uh, the DMAS variant out as quickly as we, as we possibly can. Uh, it's something that we decided once we took on this new generation of heatler aircraft is that we don't want extended EA periods anymore. And we've said that before, uh, but you know there's been certainly other things that have come in the way or new developments or new partnerships that have taken away a little bit of focus and this and that. But but we. Uh, it's a lesson learned time and time again that, that we want to get it done as quickly as possible. It, it feels better for us. It feels better for the community to have a full, you know, complete uh, product. Um, and so we'll be, I don't expect it to be uh, anywhere close to a length of time like the Tomcat. It should, uh, it should be far, far quicker. And if we don't hit that goal, then we failed in some significant, significant way. And, and, um, and I, I, I hope and I'll be working very hard to make sure that does not happen. That's really all you can ask. Now, would you say that um, a lot of the lessons that you've learned from the Tomcat are greatly fueling what you're doing with the F4? Uh, yeah, sure. Actually, well, sometimes it, the funny thing is, I've said this a few times uh, to, to people privately, is like sometimes it feels like we're an autopilot <laughs> because we you get the very very strong sense of we've been here before and we know where we're going and uh, and you know there's not many unknowns <laughs> essentially so yeah it's very much like you know you've 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 done it once and we know you know we've learned the lessons and we know what to do and we know where we're going so uh we didn't have that feeling with the tomcat at all because there were a lot of unknowns about you know can we get multi-crew working as solidly as we we have can we get jester working is that even a you know will it be horrible will it be good there were a lot of unknowns in terms of how the end product will actually end up being so with the phantom a lot of that has been taken away and we we feel we've we've learned how to execute something like this um and uh, and that's very helpful i think yeah and i imagine that uh you have like all your smes and everyone on task how are they reacted so far to what's been done or have they even been involved they certainly have. I think they've reacted well, uh, as well as they can, given the the early builds that they've been uh, they've been flying. Um, I think we'll get a much better sense of how close we've come. Uh, you know, once the product is 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 essentially complete, because 
unfortunately, it's, it's uh, you know, imagine something like an exponential curve. Unfortunately, almost all the way until you release, there's always something major missing or some immersive element missing or some detail missing that kind of mars the whole experience. So until the whole thing is put together and it really feels solid and polished, um, until that happens, you don't really get the the you know the the full extent of of you know how close have we gotten did we did we do a good job so um you know early feedback is great we love it but unfortunately the 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 nature of game development in general means that um you know unless you have that ability to look beyond <laughs> obvious issues which not a lot of people have then you you tend to uh tend to uh, have a bit of a wonky time with with the feedback yes i, I like to say uh subject to change <laughs> <laughs> yeah now uh there is a question that's being asked by somebody who i guess is interested in doing a home cockpit they want to mm -hmm. know if heat blur simulations is going to release the 3d scans and or dimensions for the f4 phantom cockpit for those of them who would like to build yeah i think cockpit. we'll uh i think we'll do what we did for the f14 which was release uh some basic models for from uh, based off of a uh, based off of the uh the cog cockpit that we've built so that people can get those major dimensions and uh you know we'll probably uh describe our error margins in terms of you know how accurate it is to the real thing uh because we Generally, at the end of a project, once we finished all the uh, modeling, we, we do tend to measure that and check, okay, so we got within X amount of millimeters and uh, to expect that. So, so yeah, uh, I, we love supporting uh, home builders. We love seeing the Tomcat cockpit home builders coming up with their, their beautiful, beautiful, uh, you know, home cockpits and, and, um, and kind of gauges and, and displays that they're putting together. So it's great. Uh, so yeah, we'll uh, I can uh, I can uh, make a solid promise on the fact that we will uh, uh, release uh, what we can to support that community. Well, there you go, home cockpit builders. You are covered. Yeah. And speaking of which, what's your build? I mean, you have a home cockpit, or what, what do you use as a home uh Nicholas? Uh, I have a VKB F14 uh, stick on my desk here, and I have a uh, Thrustmaster Warthog throttle on my left-hand side here, which I've actually borrowed. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, um, I don't have a throttle of my own at this moment uh, since my move, and uh, I've got some Cytec pe pedals under the, uh, under the table here. But uh, So my, my setup is exceptionally modest, and... Uh, I have a big 55-inch TV here in front of me, uh, using it as a as a monitor. So, um, so it's it's I would say quite modest in comparison to to uh, even most DCS simmers. I would say to some extent. So, so uh, so yeah. Unfortunately, reflective of the fact that we don't get to uh, fly and enjoy our products as much as I'd like. So, uh, so the the joystick gathers much more dust than than one would hope. I was going to say, you got to at least have VR to, you know, oh, yeah, fly yeah, yeah. the Tomcat no, um, oh, and VR. Yeah, I'm sorry. Of course, of course. I have a Rift S here uh, and a CV-1 in the in the box here. No, no, uh, that's uh, certainly, uh, I would not miss it for the world. And and that's something um, I, I, I completely stay away from trying our aircraft in VR until all of the artwork is finished because I really enjoy that first moment where you strap on the headset and you can kind of, you know, see it in 3D. So, so, uh, so I'm looking forward to that, uh, that moment. It hasn't happened yet. So uh, I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. So, 
also for me, I mean, it, I, I just cannot fly without the VR anymore, and it's it's kind of getting difficult Likely. when you yeah when you try to test your com campaigns on missions and then take notes what to change or <laughs> whatnot. It's it's a bit tricky, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. good problem to have for sure. So uh, you will start with the F4E, which is not the Navy one, so it's, it's going to be ground based one, right? Yes, that's correct. And then, so is any any are there any plans to then move to the Navy one, which is basically I mean used a lot in Vietnam and other places? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, as soon as we finish the E, and that includes, of course, all the features that need to to happen as part of exiting EA, um, we are going to be working on the Navy variant. So uh, the Navy Phantoms are you know just as important as the USAF ones, or or perhaps even more so to some some extent and at least in some years so um unequivocal yes we we will be doing navy phantoms what about things like um early teapods uh and stuff like that or you know some of the weapons that were i guess made famous in vietnam let's say yeah so we'll be doing uh we'll be doing uh i always mix up their names uh we'll we'll be doing the pave spike and the pave tack i think they're called uh, I think I'm right on the pave sp spike. I'm sorry, I always forget the because there's there's a few more of those. So uh, so no, so the, both of those pods will be will be uh, will be doing both. Um, the on EA you'll only have the one. Uh, I believe that's the spike. Don't quote me on it. I might be wrong again. Um, and so yeah, I mean those early teapods will will be uh, an interesting experience because they're not quite like the modern ones. They can't really auto track stuff or, or uh, some of them at least. So um, yeah, I think it'll be a slightly different experience and, and simmers will get a chance to experience the early days of targeting pods and how that looked and performed and, and the challenges that it, it kind of uh, brought with it and how, and then compare to how it evolved and how you can utilize it in the Hornet and the Strike Eagle and, and all, all these other more modern aircraft that are, that are uh, available or coming to DCS. So, um, so yeah, big part of the product and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to, uh, to implement and see people use. If I'm not mistaken, even before that, there were this handheld laser designators or something for the first laser-guided bombs. Uh, were they used on F4s already? Uh, good question. I'm not sure, uh, but it's not something that we've planned for now, at least. Uh, but it's an interesting... Uh, it it reminds me of, you know, interesting stories of Tomcat pilots and Rios using rifle scopes and, and that kind of thing thing which we're we also really like and would kind of want to do in some way so uh so if it's a thing maybe we can uh, take a look and uh and do something what about the possibility of branching out to other variants like the rf4 wild weasel um no plans uh honestly uh, both are certainly very interesting but um we, you know, especially the Wild Weasel G, we're kind of, we would, as enthusiasts, we would really like to do it, but we kind of, we kind of did say that to ourselves, you know, that, that it, you know, we would have to create so much novel functionality in DCS and created this whole EM environment to, you know, make it a more realistic, uh, you know, experience that it, you know, it doesn't really match the amount of demand from 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 the community in general for it. I know there's a lot of you know CAD people and DAD people, but um, but 
yeah for i mean it, it's it's a lot of work and i don't think we can realistically get there at least that's our opinion right now but you know maybe that'll change and uh and and see where we go uh we we again we have plans for the navy variants and um you know perhaps we'll even do something beyond that uh we'll see uh but uh but uh right now nothing too concrete yeah, I guess it's a difficult question with so many different variants and so many operators, all of them using different kinds of, of stuff on their aircraft. It's, it must be difficult, but that brings us back probably to some kind of a Frankenstein thing or, or you, you will probably <laughs> yeah. Yeah. try to have different variants, but then you have to have, have quite a few actually uh, for players. Exactly. And it begs the question sometimes, you know, how much do you gain from making another variant? You know, do we do players gain a lot by having an F with a removed fuel tank and a different, different RWR um, and a few other tiny different, probably not. Probably if you stick a German livery on an E, you know, you get 99.9% the exact same experience essentially. So sometimes it's great to have variants and stuff, but you can pile on a lot of project complexity for very little gain. Uh, and even with the Tomcat, we're seeing that, you know, with the Iranian versions and the early A and so on, we're, it's, it's quite complex to, to branch the product in so many ways and, uh, and maintain it all and implement it appropriately. So, uh, so we probably moving forward, we'll actually be more conservative with variants uh, and pick, pick ones which either offer a dramatic difference in capability and offer a different experience or uh, or uh, simply limit the uh, limit the amount of variants and, and kind of represent them at least in some way visually um, um, so people can enjoy you know a piece of their their country's you know aircraft in this case phantom history but you know that with, with a phantom out you will need to do the Vietnam map right just saying. <laughs> yes, certainly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> certainly, certainly. I think uh, I will, I will make one comment on 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 this these kinds of things is like the funny thing is um sometimes it can be forgotten by the community, but the things that the community wants, the developers of flight sims also want. <laughs> essentially. So, so you know, all all the great stuff like dynamic campaign and, you know, we we all grew up or, you know, some of the older ones uh, of us developed these these older sims with dynamic campaigns and all the fun stuff and and the younger ones like myself we grew up playing them so uh so so yeah i i hear you everybody hears you uh it's yeah it's uh it's it's a necessity so so i think uh the community and developers are in tune more often than than one might expect Either that or we'll have to start making more memes in the community just to kind of press the issue and <laughs> aim them towards ED, I guess. <laughs> the, the one question that kind of jumped out at me here, uh, as we're kind of wrapping up all the questions here, um, how did the F4 migrate from being something that way back in the day, Belsum Tech was supposedly working on to something that Heatbler is working on? Is there a story? Is it related uh, I don't, I don't think there's quite a story. We, we pitched a phantom way, way, way back. Um, I don't know even what year it was. Uh, it was certainly, you know, after the Tomcat had begun development and the phantom was always, uh, I love the phantom. So it was certainly, uh, something I would love to take on. So, so being able to do it is, is just, um, 
you know, it just puts a smile on my face, uh, you know, when I think about it. Um, but at the time, it wasn't quite available, and and uh, you know, it's been many years since then. We've we've launched the Tomcat, and uh, it just so happened that we had an opportunity to uh, to uh, re-engage that discussion, and uh, and uh, we've ended up where we are. So there's not quite any story except that you know. Um, uh, I'm very pleased with with getting the opportunity and and grateful for 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 being a part of this uh, community and and just TCS in general and being able to put our mark on it and um, and uh, you know build a build a phantom for people to enjoy. So um, yeah, that's pretty much pretty much uh, pretty much all I know. And so yeah, so hopefully we'll we'll uh, we 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 won't squander the opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> to put it ominously. I'm assuming we're going to get some awesome campaigns to go along with it, just like, uh, you know, previous modules, shall we say. <laughs> Certainly. Uh, we, again, like, just... I, sometimes people who don't know about DCS, they kind of ask me, oh, so you're just making one plane? And I kind of try to explain to them that uh, not not really. What we're actually doing is, like, imagine you have a video game titled F4E Phantom, kind of. Um, you know, we're, it's it's a full experience. It's like if you buy any other game, you get content, single player campaigns, you get all kinds of stuff. That you, I mean, that's your gameplay, right? So, just creating the aircraft and just throwing it out there and just being like, well, there it is. Uh, you know, that's not really really a full product essentially so so yes there will, there will be campaigns single missions as much as we can do um not quite sure yet what the final list will look like or what we'll have on ea in terms of content but but uh in no way is it gonna gonna di diverge from what we've done before and i know some of the third party developers are already preparing themselves or gearing up for for a campaign so i'm sure there'll be a lot of extra content coming out as well Awesome. We, we love that. We love, we love that. So, so looking forward to it greatly. Okay. I think we've covered most of the questions that we had and that the people that sent them to us had. Uh, there's one more question that we wanted to wrap up with coming from a good friend, Sedlo. He's also a developer of campaigns. And that question, it's a very tough one. So are we ready? <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> Would you rather fight a horse-sized duck or 50 duck-sized horses? Uh, I'll go for the 50 uh, duck-sized horses. They're, I think uh, I'd choose the same. Perfect, perfect kicking height. Perfect kicking height. <laughs> yeah. That's the, probably the easiest answer that we've gotten all day. <laughs> I love it. And, of course, I can't let the entire episode go by without asking you, on behalf of Sergio, when are you going to make him a helicopter? <laughs> oh, gosh. Good question. When hell freezes up. No. <laughs> um I don't know. Be very careful. Yeah, Be very yeah, careful. Yeah. You live I, I, in his country now. There's a dinner date getting getting uh, struck from the calendar as I speak, probably. Uh, <laughs> probably. Um, no, I don't know. There's there's helicopters uh, that would be super cool to do. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, just a matter of when and, and can we and does it fit into the schedule and all all sorts of fun questions like that essentially. So Black boring Hope. business ones Black actually Hope. wrapped into yeah. Blackhawk, yeah, uh, yeah, no, no. Um, it's not like we're fixed wing, uh, you know, pure, pure, what are you, Puritans, pure purists. Uh, we, uh, we, you know, variety is the spice of life. So, you know, 
I'm just going to say it from now. Do not encourage him. If you encourage him, it's over. He'll be over your house every day with like blueprints and schematics about what helicopter he's on. <laughs> no, oh, don't don't even go down that road. No worries, no worries. I'm, no, I'm 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 going to bring him a little. I don't know. We'll we'll go for that dinner and I'll. I'll bring some prints of some helicopters or something just to, you know, stir the conversation. <laughs> and then we'll, it'll all go downhill from there. <laughs> all right, on your own head, be it. <laughs> well, thank you very much for taking time and for this <laughs> good and fun conversation. And, um, yeah, hope to see you again at some point in the future when we, you have the F4 out, maybe your fighter and some other things in the pipeline we can talk about. And, yeah, thanks a lot. It's been good fun. Thank you so much, guys. Appreciate it, and uh, and uh, glad to get the opportunity to be here uh, and speak to you guys. Appreciate it. Indeed, keep doing what you do. I will tell you, you've done an absolutely amazing job, especially with my favorite Tom Cat. <laughs> I can't get enough of that bird. Thank can't get enough of that bird. It's gonna get better. It's gonna get better. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Air Combat Sim. Don't forget to subscribe or tell a friend about. It. You have a question? idea for an episode or a special guest you'd like us to invite feel free to reach out on facebook discord or via email air combat sip was brought to you by bvr productions